Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, in the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 765 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. I am. How you doing, mate? How's things going? Um, it's actually starting to be, well, I say normal weather. It's it's not normal weather. It's completely abnormal weather with between the rain and everything, but at least it's cooling down a bit. So there's that. <laughs> Sydney's already hit their yearly average. Yeah, well, we yeah, we hit ours um, halfway through last month. Jeez. <laughs> And yeah, Sydney hit. Sydney's had no. Sydney's hit more than they. They had their annual rainfall today. Yeah. Like in one day, they had their annual rainfall. Not. Hit. Oh, I see what you mean. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we hit they our. We're evacuating places down now. I'm glad I'm not living there right now. The world's gone mental. Yeah. Absolutely not. Bloody crazy, yeah. mate. Lismore flooded again, and then. All down there, and then it's happening down there, and then we're supposed to be getting this rain bomb for the next four days up here. Somebody was complaining that rain bomb is not a real thing or something on Reddit. I don't care. It's what we're getting. <laughs> it's bombing us with rain. What do you call it? Real or not, we're getting it. So, <laughs> Lismore is just an artificial lake now, isn't it? Pretty much at this point, yeah. Or I should say natural lake. Not, 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 not artificial. Yeah, it's ridiculous the amount of water they've had through that place. There was this exactly a month. It was the 28th the first time and the 28th the second time. Oh. <laughs> Got a couple so, of weeks yeah. to go. It's, um, but it's, I mean, uh, where was it? Somewhere up here a couple of days ago. Um, I can't remember where it is. But one of the, near the border ranges, there was a, a whole town had to get evacuated. Oh, all right. Because they had, like 150 million four hours or something. Yep. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but the amount of rain is is insane. It's not so much the fact that it's raining, because that's not unusual this time of year. It's the, the, just the sheer volume. Yep. You know, and it just sits. Like, 
we've had, I was actually looking at my solar output last month and we had more cloudy days than we had sunny days. Yeah. Yep. By like, I think we had 10 sunny days and 20 cloudy days. Like it was a huge, you know. I had to turn off my ASIC again. Yeah. It's going to chew well, up all my solar batteries. Well, I'm glad I've got like, I can't remember what I've got, like 12 kilowatts or something. Yep. I know I can only export six, but it means even on cloudy days, I'm still exporting my six. No, I think I've got 16 kilowatts. No, i got a lot. I, think, I saw they're talking again about um, panels that can generate at night time again. Oh, look, technically any panel can generate at night time. It, if it's got moonlight, um, a panel works off illumination. It doesn't care where the illumination is. Just that the sun's illumination is more effective because yep. it's a higher concentration. But I've had normal panels that will light up enough with the moonlight to like light up a few LEDs and stuff. So, oh, okay. You know, but yeah, if they if they light up if they produce power of a night, it just means they're going to produce more power of a day. Yep. So, and that's not. why why vampires shouldn't come out at night time because the moon is just reflecting the sun, so it's still sun rays hitting them. Exactly. So they should still die. Exactly. What's going yeah, on there? That's not moonlight. It's it's moon reflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, has the sun come up? No, no. The sun hasn't actually moved anywhere. Yeah. It's always there. The sun's yeah. gone behind the clouds. No, I don't think so. No, it's because you can't see it. Doesn't mean it's gone. It's, your, it's all from your point of view, isn't yeah, it? That's right. Just in a different place than it was. Like you wake up in the morning, it's there, and then an hour later, it's not there anymore. Doesn't mean it's gone. It's just not there. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, nothing else much been happening around. Still doing my um, Linuxy stuff. Haven't gone back to Windows yet. I no. don't think I ever will again. My Windows computer at work starting to do funky things, so it's about to get a... I just put a 2 terabyte D drive in it today, so... It's going to get an upgrade. When I leave for the weekend on Saturday, I'll just do a... I'll put uh, XCOP, um, uh, XCOPY32, is that the program? Mm, it's been a while, I can't remember. But I'll put the copy program on it and just dump everything from one drive to the other, and yep. come in Monday morning, I'll throw Linux on it. I'll oh, you get a weekend on. away, that's not too bad. I get a day-ish yep <laughs> heading anywhere interesting <laughs> um bathroom toilet <laughs> usual they got um this weekend i'll be going down the lions local lions club is taking donations of water power boards and stuff to go up to lismore <clears throat> so i'm gonna pop out and grab a bunch of stuff and take it down there and say send this to those people up there yeah it's um the problem is, uh, like, so many places were starting to be repaired. Yep. So when this lot of water came up, it's thankfully this lot was slower. So a lot of places had time to get stuff out. Yep. Um, but having said that, again, they were told it wouldn't breach the levy bank, like they were told last time. Yep. But this time it took several hours to breach the levy bank, so there was plenty of time to actually do stuff you had to do. Um, the problem is all the pumps were damaged from being underwater last flood. There's yeah. only one pump that was working, so all the water was still coming in up the drains and stuff like that, and it was still flooding ah. uh, just at a slower rate because the pumps couldn't get the water out because the pumps weren't running. Yep. So it was kind of... The levee banks effectively... I mean, 
it's basically it buys you a couple hours, but it, it doesn't stop anything because the water still comes up. It just comes up to the drains. Yeah, it just doesn't come up as quick, but it still comes up to the same height. And as soon as it breaches the bank, well, then you've got other problems because once you breach the levee bank, you start creating surges of water, and that's what actually causes more damage. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's crazy, mate. Yeah. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. No, it's it's been um been a relatively i mean i've been busy you had oh, we had the okay so i got a call on last week from who i thought was the insurance company but actually it's not it's australian disaster relief something no adb australian disaster um Bastards. something board or something yeah <laughs> that's probably closer to the truth and um they said i oh, will be out there on tuesday and come and have a look i'm like yeah okay whatever and tuesday came and went nobody came out and they called me again i'm like uh, for an afternoon or something and said i will come out monday morning okay cool so they actually came out this time ah nice um sort of i said okay so what are you here for what's the thing that you're doing are you the assessor are you you know what are you doing he's like no we just look to see what needs to be if anything needs to be ripped out and taken out and and stuff like that like well I've done all that. I did that like three weeks ago. So the only thing I've got that needs to be done, I said, my old shed is asbestos. I said, so it's all mold. It's actually growing black mold on it now. I said, so it's got to be taken down. He's like, oh yeah, we don't do asbestos. I'm like, so why are you here? <laughs> like, you're not, you, you're not, you can't do anything. And I said, you, we've, I've done everything you, that you were going to do because it's taken you five weeks, six weeks to get out here. Um, and I've done all that. I said, so why, why, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> like, if you have told me, I asked you on the phone what it was you wanted, what you were here to do, and you said you're coming out to assess stuff, which meant I thought you were the assessor. But no, you're just out here to do the stuff I've already done. If you had asked me, if you had told me on the phone what you were doing, I would have said it's already been done. Don't worry about wasting our time. Yeah. So I wasted an hour with him to achieve nothing, and I've. Not only have achieved nothing, I've heard nothing back from the nothing I achieved. Jeez. Because <laughs> I was supposed to get the asbestos people who were already supposed to be notified by the insurance company anyway. Yep. So, uh, funny issue. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all funny games. Yep, yep. So. We had, I think it was around lunchtime, sudden downpour. I thought, oh, here it comes. Then 10 minutes later, gone. Yeah. That was our rain for the day. <laughs> it was pretty heavy and everything too, so I thought, oh, it's going to go for a while, but no, I haven't had anything. We had rain, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday morning when I was on my way to work. Um, It was really, really cloudy here at home. And I jumped on the highway, I was heading into work, and it, the fog had lifted, the clouds had gone away. I thought it was going to be a nice day. 30 seconds later, it was raining. <laughs> where there was no clouds in the sky, there was nothing around. Yeah. It rained for like all the way from halfway to work, into work. I got into work, opened up, did the normal. So I was probably there half an hour, still not a cloud in the sky, and then it stopped. <laughs> and that was it. Like, <laughs> like well, how? Why? Like, literally. You know, there literally wasn't a cloud in the sky. I could look the entire 
skyline all the way around me. Yep. Not a single cloud. Yet it was absolutely bucketing down. <laughs> and not lightly, like really heavily. Yep. Worst I got is um, where I work is overlooking the driveway, which the previous owners painted for some reason. <laughs> yeah, some I know. Sort of a pinky. That must have been Greek. Red pinky colour or something. And so when it rains, that gets a nice bright sheen on it. And then the sun comes out. And so I have to pull the blind up so I can see in the office. And then the sun comes out and blinds me reflecting off the driveway. So I put it back down again. And then five minutes later, the sun's gone again. So I pull it back up. <laughs> I've been, I'm like, I need a remote control so I can just <laughs> sit here. I'm too lazy to have to get up and down. It's like, I'll just leave it down. Too bad. I'll turn the light on in here if I have to. You could just tint the window. And then the cat's like, I want to look out there. And he's trying to stick his head underneath <laughs> the thing. And I'm like, ah, settle down. Oh, that's the other morning when I took the accessory out and we're in the shed. Because I've taken the doors off the granny flat so I can get the furniture in and out. Or I, don't, out of there. I don't mean that kind of take them out security. And, <laughs> and anyway, so we're walking past the in the, in the bedroom, the granny flat I've got. Like the coffee table in there, and I've got all the, the chairs and everything stacked on top of it just to get everything into one central location out of the way. Yep. And I walked past and I heard something as I walked past the stack of stuff. And I looked to my, I looked at the stack and I just saw this black thing whip up like that. Yep. And like, I'm like, it's a snake. Like, you know, I said to the guy, I said, snake, get out of here. And, and as we both turned around to run out the door, this cat has leapt from the bench out through the door. <laughs> <laughs> It was a black cat, uh. and his tail was doing this thing. <laughs> <sighs> he was just happy to see you. <laughs> and he bolted. I don't know where it came from. He bolted out the door. and yeah. So now on the weekend, I've got to pull that back together because I don't want cats in there. But That's the last thing I need. They'll nest in there, and then you'll have a whole family of cats. On the upside, while ever there's a cat in there, at least I'm not going to have snakes in there. So. Or mice. Or mice, Epic yeah. win. I don't have them anyway, but I have seen a couple of snakes around in the last couple. I've only seen uh, three, maybe, in three or four in five years. So but the snakes aren't really an issue. But at least if there is a cat in there, I won't have them. Yeah. So even if it's not my cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing its job. That's what matters. I don't know who got scared more. <laughs> <laughs> I was awake. I'll was, I was, tell you what, I was awake after that. <laughs> Got the adrenaline better than any morning coffee that was, I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> get the heart pumping. Yeah. Oh dear. We should probably say thanks to all of our supporters. Yep. Yeah. It's, um. Uh, just a reminder to you know just hold off on your payments and stuff for now until we get all that sorted. But we do thank you for your uh, contributions previously and in the future. Yep. Thank you for listening and enjoying as much as possible. And uh, putting up with us putting up with us and yeah all that sort of stuff so um so we will keep you guys in the loop once we've figured out what's happening and for now just keep on business as usual yep we appreciate you listening and a few people who watch it on youtube yeah yeah we had uh there's a couple of people who were uh messaging about you with your flood woes and stuff on our last episode i think it was Oh, really? Yeah, something during the week. One of the guys was saying, oh, it's a shame we look with all the flood and stuff you have to deal with. 
No, I didn't. Uh, just okay. Now I'm not even getting notifications from YouTube. So actually, that's <laughs> not surprising. I've been having, I don't know if it's just me, but it probably is. But I've been having really weird YouTube stuff lately. Like, I'm not getting messages that are even on my videos. Like, it's not anybody yeah. puts a message up. I'm not getting notification on it. Um, They've shadow banned you just like Facebook did. Probably. I've clicked on the subscribe and the bell on a couple of channels. So, theoretically, when they live stream or if they premiere, I'm supposed to get notifications. Yep. I don't. Um, I've just gone through and I was unsubscribed to about 10 channels that I watch regularly. Um, so I don't know what's going on with, with YouTube. I mean, I know it's painful, but it's just getting worse all the time, isn't it? Oh yeah, it really is. Um, but for some reason, yeah, lately it's just been worse than usual. So I don't know if that's the next step into uselessness or if it just happens to be a glitch in the matrix or i don't know what's going on why not both well yeah i mean that's that's a thing too <laughs> so uh, shall we do some news um yeah i suppose we can do that telstra is fighting back against the rise of scam texts by blocking them at the network level according to a blog post authored by ceo andy penn the scam filter part of telstra's cleaner pipes initiative <laughs> is designed to prevent uh-huh. theft of personal information like banking logins, block the spread of malware, and prevent customers passing infections onto their own contacts. We know the number of scam messages, text messages in our network is on the rise. In 2021, we had more than 11,000 reports of malicious texts to Android devices compared to 50 reports in 2020. The rise is driven by malicious campaigns like Flubot, which infects Android users, by offering a link to purport what purports to be a voicemail. Other versions of the malware advise users of a package delivery. That's why we've turned on a brand new feature to find and block SMS scam messages with suspicious links as they travel across our network and stop many of them before they reach your device. His post explained the scam blocks have undergone three months of internal testing. Around 2,500 employees have taken part and we've been successful in detecting and blocking hundreds of scam SMS messages every day. Our people on the pilot program told us they saw a reduction in the number of scam SMS messages they received. The technology has has been enabled on all messages crossing Telstra's network, including those of its low-cost subsidiary brand Belong. The capability under the bonnet is complex and evolving. It has to be to continue to help outsmart scammers, but in simple terms, we're applying knowledge of what scam text messages look like to block them at the network level. If a SMS looks suspicious, we'll block it before it reaches the user. Automatic machine scanning picks out suspicious content such as malicious links and combines this with other patterns and characteristics like the time, sender, number of messages sent and the recipient. Internally, he wrote the system sends potential scam messages to human reviewers to avoid blocking legitimate messages. Well, I know a lot of people had had to deal with that kind of thing. In fact, I was getting a lot of text messages like that. Yeah, I've um, I don't know if it's Android or if it's Xiaomi, but I've, there's actually a on my phone it's actually got a uh folder called spam yep and i'm going there and look every day and there's a dozen <sighs> calls and messages in there like it's yeah i don't get them it does a really good job and I've, I've never had i've never had a false um positive. false positive and 
I've only had maybe one or two actual phone calls that were scam yep. calls that it missed, and they'll probably brand new numbers. Oh yeah. Um, but it's really good at, at its job. I I don't have to worry about it anymore. My phone used to ring 10, 15 times a day with scam calls. Yep. Yep. You know, maybe one if it's a bad day. So yeah, I installed higher on mine and um now i just get a notification either there was a phone call that was coming through and we detected it was a scammer or telemarket or something and we blocked it for you or we just mm. send it to voicemail if you want to listen go do it or it just doesn't doesn't happen at all yeah it's it's amazing like the as i said the jammy by default there whatever they're doing great I don't know. yeah i don't know what they're doing but it works yeah so um but conversely i've got um another phone at work that's just like our sort of backup phone um and it's doesn't it's it's a samsung it's, it's an, okay it's an older phone now it's a like note nine or something so it's five six years old but it doesn't um doesn't stop anything even yeah. stuff that like is blatantly obviously spam it just goes yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> like you know being called from you know um you get calls from like they literally come up as like dubai and philippines and <laughs> and i'm like yeah, why just no yeah <laughs> i get the same thing <laughs> some of them from no, they, no, I I get a lot of them with melbourne prefixes for some reason lately i've been getting a lot from philippines oh okay I, I don't have any friends in Australia. I definitely don't have any friends overseas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I don't know. But, yeah, I think whatever there's, you know, whatever there's people fighting scams, there's going to be people creating new ways of getting through the system, isn't there? Keeps me in a job. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see that I haven't, I, I didn't bring the story up. I should have actually, but it's saying now statistically cryptocurrency um, is used more to pay for um, spam or scams rather than direct deposit now. Oh, right. Yep. So cryptocurrency is taking over the, the scam payment method. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to help its cause. We've noticed that they don't only go for Bitcoin now, they're doing Dash and other currencies because where companies like mine are really good at blocking the big, well, we've got Dash and other things, blocks for those as well and algorithms and stuff, but um, it's obvious that they're trying different things to see if they can get around being blocked for asking for Bitcoin donations to unlock your locked up files and stuff. Yeah. It's all about how you word. So they've, they've discovered a new way. Like they start using ASCII texts and trying to make different ways of saying the same thing that the spam uh, we get pick up on. All sorts of crazy stuff. International characters being thrown randomly into stuff and emojis. homoglyphs and emojis and um, superscript and subscript and different languages that have a letter that looks like an English language and... We have to take all of those into account and try and normalise down to something that we can block. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely... Um... <sighs> I mean, it's a cat and mouse, isn't it, really? But the thing is, you've got to think, okay, if they can come up with something 
a new algorithm that slips through. It's only got to slip through for an hour. And how many people have they, yep. you know, got their hands on in that hour? Quite a lot. So, you know, it's, I as dumb as it sounds, I can understand why they do it because it's a lucrative market. I mean, you've only got to, I think their statistics is one in a hundred thousand or something. They actually fall for their scams. And it makes some money. But you got to think like that one in a hundred thousand, it could be a $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollar scam. So, that's not a bad strike rate, even if you only do get one or two people a month. Yep. <laughs> you know? So from that regard, from a business model, I understand why they're so eager to try and keep beating the algorithms all the time. Yep. I don't agree with what they're doing. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's not cool. But when you understand the money that can, they can make, uh, or not even money, if you think of it from another way, if they're using um, to expand their botnet or expand their network or, or anything like that, um, put sleeper you know sleeper cells into networks and stuff um so when they call on it to to ddos events and stuff like them from a business model it it makes perfect sense yeah you know um if you're if you're to run it as a business that that's you would be trying to achieve the same same thing that's why you should have linux (laughs) yeah well less chance of a botnet yeah i mean linux has had a couple of breaches but realistically um it's had it's had quite a few but they're all actual you've got to have access to the actual physical system yeah they've had a couple of ones that have worked over the internet and a couple of remote ones but it's been really comparatively very minimal yeah um and there's certainly virus scanners you can run and I, i like anything i recommend you do whether it's apple or linux or whatever but don't specifically. It's not such a big deal if you don't on Linux. And Asa- Asahi Linux now supports the Apple's M1 processor. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading that. Um, but here's the thing. Like, remember, for years and years and years, there really wasn't a Mac or an Apple virus because the percentage of people using it wasn't high enough to care to, for <laughs> them to worry about the people that were using it. So they got off free. And now Apple is being attacked with viruses the same as Windows is because suddenly there's so many more users and it's a viable acquisition. Now, here's the thing. Linux is becoming to the point where it is very easy to use, very stable, very reliable, and easy to install and upgrade your Windows system. So Linux has finally hit that tipping point where it is actually a consumer-grade product now. So it's not going to be long until the attacks and the hacks start finding their way into Linux operating systems because it's the next logical step. I mean, it's it's the place where people are going to start going to. More and more users are going to start doing it. Now, admittedly, at, at least initially with early adopters and the people who are currently using it, they're a little more tech-savvy than the average person, so they will have, if not safeguards, they'll at least have... Um, uh, the ability to recognize something for what it is, yep. you know. So the chances of infection of viruses and stuff in Linux and in, currently is quite low. But once the average person can install Linux or can buy, in a lot of cases now you can buy Linux on a system when you purchase the system. System 76. Yeah. Um, that percentage of population is going to increase to the point where it's going to be feasible for hackers and attackers and spammers and scammers to actually start picking on Linux. So, And just remember, Linux isn't a silver security bullet. It doesn't mean just because you're running Linux 
Yeah, you can click willy-nilly on crap all over the internet. Linux itself is relatively stable, but you're still running a browser. Even if it is Brave or whatever, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still a browser. It still has um, zero-day vulnerabilities. Yeah. It still has, you know, uh, weaknesses like anything. Um, you know, you've got email. You've got maybe an email client. You've got even, even apps. Let's say you're running... Um, an app that gets updated, let's say something that most people might have, like VLC Media Player, for example. It only takes somebody to inject something into that code for the next up for the next upgrade. I'm not saying VLC would, but no. somebody else to, to basically piggyback off VLC's code and install it, and suddenly every computer that runs VLC is infected with this virus. I mean, so, if if your if your toaster oven can think it's a steam oven. Yeah, my point exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and that was just a mistake. It wasn't malicious, but oh. things can happen. And that's the thing. I mean, you think of somebody you might run, say you might run a Qt FTP or an FTP client of some description. It only takes somebody to leave one of the ports open in an update that they're not supposed to, and suddenly every system running that up, that running that thing is broadcasting an open port on the internet. So it really doesn't take much for something that is very secure to be not secure. Yep. It's only literally one, one in, you know, one tiny mistake can make all the difference between it being secure or not. And don't blame the Linux for your mistakes. No, I remember um, when I worked at a web host in Melbourne, and this guy rang up because his website got hacked, and he's like, "I thought you sold me a secure account." I said, "We did." Then you put an insecure old version of WordPress on there and left it for five years with no updates. Now you made the account insecure. Yeah, that's right. It was secure when we sold it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you did with it in the meantime. Yeah. Now it's like having a car that over the years you've taken the door locks out of because you've lost the keys and yeah. you've replaced the ignition switch with a push button. Yeah. At some point... You're going to regret those decisions. Yeah. It may not happen now. It may not happen in three years' time. But at some point, you're going to walk out and your car's not going to be there anymore. It won't happen overnight, but it will yeah. happen. I mean, it might. <laughs> <laughs> no, my luck, it would be like, I just need to put this in here to get the car running so I can get to work, and then it'd be stolen like three seconds after I parked it at work. You need to do like Mr. Bean <laughs> and put a padlock on your car door. That was awesome. And then open I... the back window and throw the key in there. <laughs> Here's the irony with that, though. I had an old 1976 G60 Nissan Patrol. Yep. I had no door locks from the factory. They didn't have door locks on it. Right. Uh, it had um, a, 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 uh, an ignition barrel that you could turn with a screwdriver. Like They, they had basically straight-cut keys. There was no security. <laughs> um, so the car wasn't lockable, and I'd since taken the ignition lock out because it kept jamming the steering wheel and I put a uh, ignition switch and a push button to start. And that thing got parked everywhere for five years. It was parked in the middle of Brisbane. It was parked at like the entertainment center. It was parked at the museum, like, you know, some of the shopping centers in Anala and, and Browns Plains and Red Bank Plains. Like, you know, it was parked in places where stuff goes missing all the time. And not once in five years did, not that we, I mean, I didn't keep a lot in there, but there was, this, you know, uh, UHF radio sitting there. There was you know, a few bits. There was a really nice head deck in it. It had a nice sound system in it. Oh, there's enough in there. 
plus the car was easy to steal, but not once did it even get broken <laughs> in or opened up, let alone, you know. Yeah. It's like it was so weird that <laughs> I remember there was one place I parked at that that day. I remember um, reading a thing in the, when I was working at the Nala Hotel, <clears throat> and I was working at the bottle shop um, at the Nala Plaza, and I had my car parked around the back of the shopping centre because it was just easier to get a park there. And I had the security guard tell me that afternoon that he's spent like three hours filling out paperwork because there's been like five cars stolen out of the car park. Oh, wow. In that morning, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it was one of them mine. This <laughs> <laughs> is expecting that it would be. So you know, sometimes, um, what do I call it, hiding in plain sight, just because something you know, yep. is incredibly easy to to access, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be. No. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, I might leave that story to last. So Labor has decided to try and be useful. Oh. Not that they, they, they're not they are, but they're trying to be. Um, they want to measure. Okay, so remember uh, before you start, I read this week somebody registered albanese.com.au and pointed it to the liberal website. <laughs> it's been taken down since then. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Naughty boy. <laughs> um, oh, that reminds me of the new episode of the Paul and Hanson. Uh, the Pauline Hanson's um, cartoon coming out in the morning. <laughs> so I look forward to those now. They're great. Um, yeah, her Please Explain series. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, fantastic. It's the best way in the world to explain politics to people. It's hilarious. Um, I was saying, yeah, so it was last week or the week before. not 100% sure. We did a story on how uh, telcos were putting up coverage maps, but they weren't specifically saying, like, they're just like theoretical yeah the towers here in theory our signal reached here with a phone here with an uh, internal antenna here with an external antenna you know so they weren't actual measurements real places like they didn't drive around to each of these places to see if that was a thing they just worked it out based on the theory of what their towers can put out and you know so now labor's decided they want to measure mobile signal across australia the Australian Labor Party said it said it should win the upcoming federal election because that's how confident they are. Yep. Uh, it would like to spend $20 million on an audit of mobile coverage around the nation in order to guide a $400 million regional fund to boost mobile coverage. Um, the competitive tender process will be used to identify a partner company capable of placing mobile signal measurement devices in Australian post transport assets to gather the best information possible. So basically what he's saying is they want to put uh, Wi-Fi sniffers into every Australia Post van, not Wi-Fi, um, cell tower yeah, sniffers into every Post van, and which makes sense because Australia Post trucks, vans, bikes, they all travel basically anywhere. anywhere. There's people. Yep. So whether it be dirt road, out back, whatever, so they're going to know, you know if the GPS location, say it's only got to ping like once every minute and see if it can get a signal, you know, yep. and uh, what sort of signal it's getting and what provider it's coming from. Um, so it's a, this is a really long-winded story, but effectively, they want to spend uh, an extra thirty million to improve on-farm connectivity and wireless extensions to allow for increased use of seniors and for seniors and connected machinery, because um, that's like everything these days. 
Um, and then want to extend the fibre, 660,000 regional premises, part of the plan to extend fibre node upgrades, 1.5 million more premises. We also recently agreed to fix wireless upgrades, mostly funded by federal money. Um, NBNN, elsewhere on Tuesday, NBN announced a further 90,000 suburbs where it would be extending its fibre upgrade program. Upgrade footprints have been improved for Byron, Charlestown, Dubbo, Kin, Kincumber. Yep, that's in the central coast. It's like cucumber, but different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Port Macquarie and Wyong and West Wodonga and Wodonga. Not Aubrey, though. Oh. None for you. Stuff for them. <laughs> just, just Wodonga. <laughs> they, can't, they, they can't afford to put it across the bridge. It only goes... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, oh, okay, I'm wrong. It's on its own paragraph, but they're also doing Aubrey, uh, Banawa, Blue Haven, uh, Cardiff, East Ballina. <laughs> Good luck getting to there at the moment. Uh, Kingscliff, uh, Macquarie, Rutherford, Shell Harbour, Suffolk Park, Warhope, uh, Tamworth, uh, Horsham, Kyobam, Lara, Mildura, uh, Wanthagi, Packnam, Queenscliff, Warrigal, Glenvale, Newport, uh, Palmwoods, Little Hampton. Big uh, Hampton. Middle-sized Hampton. <laughs> um, so basically, NBN's suppose. Remember how they they finished? Said they were finished like six months ago. Well, this is just the just that. No, this is the like the PS on the end of we're finished. <laughs> <laughs> we're not 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 quite. We we said we were finished and that we're done and we're not going to do anything. But we we were not quite. We we will be finished soon. Yep. And then we're done with stuff. If labour gets in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> will be so yeah, basically what they're doing is that the, the whole point of this is they're going to change the rules um, for the telcos to say, look, you can't just say here's a tower; it's got a twenty k range. Deal with it. You actually have to be able to tell us where your signal goes. Yep. Um, yep. For a couple of reasons, one is so that they can figure out where they can run wireless NBN. Uh, and clog up the networks that way yep. as opposed to having to run cables. Um, and the other reason is so that when people look at a coverage map, they can actually make an educate. Like if you were to put the map of this place, it says everything like according to the coverage maps from basically Ipswich to Toowoomba is unbroken coverage. Yep. In reality, between here and Ipswich, which is only a 15 to 20 minute drive, there's actually more black spots than there is signal. Oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's not one of them federally funded black spots, is it? <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> um, so whilst in theory we're covered by the signals because we're within certain distance of the towers, in reality, because of the geography of the, the way the area is laid out, we're not. Like There's so many black spots because the signal physically can't get get there because of the way things are, things are so what it will mean is that when they now instead of just showing a coverage area this whole area is covered say so good luck you're going to get signal here and you want black spot here and you get signal here so they're going to have to actually be forced to Fill it to all show in. people legitimately but see they could go okay well i might not get signal where i am here but if i use an internal boosted aerial or an external boosted aerial you know they give you options so they'll be you know, which is true. Like, uh, um, in 
this particular room, I get two, yeah, I get two bars in the computer room. I go to the lounge room, I get three. I stand on the front deck, I get full signal. So, oh. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> you know. Wasn't that one of, the, one of the US cell companies just gave everybody in a black spot a fem cell to plug into their internet and go, there you go. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, a lot of mobiles will do that now. They, they will... Um, Mine does. Just automatically do go on the Wi-Fi, yeah. Yeah. I turn that, turn that off. Um, yeah, problems? Well, everywhere I've got Wi-Fi access, I have full phone signal access anyway. Oh, okay. So it kind of doesn't matter. But I notice there's a lag if it's using the Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. Um, it's noticeable compared to using the phone. You get a bit of a lag. You also seem to get signal degradation like the... the uh, how do I explain it? You get more of an analog effect. With a, with a normal phone, a mobile phone signal, when you get a dropout, you very rarely... They don't normally go quiet. They normally either work or it doesn't because yep. of the way digital signal... The digital signal travels uh, because it travels in bits, not one continuous signal. You don't get just a softer signal. You either receive the signal or you don't. If you don't receive the signal, you get no audio. If you do receive it, you get audio. The old analog way of, 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 of a wave, you could often get a signal fading in and out. Um, depending on how strong the signal was would depend on how much volume was available. And I've noticed when I'm talking on Wi-Fi, um, I'll often get that happening. Depending on where in the house I stand, I'll get this audio level shuffling of it going up and down rather than it just being oh, a consistent okay. level. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's just the way this phone handles the Wi-Fi part of it or if it's my I mean, it be my router. My router's like for, forever old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I turn that on. I mean, as I said, there's nowhere I go that I don't have phone signal where I have access to a Wi-Fi because you can't use it on locked Wi-Fi anyway. So unless it's at your place or at your workplace, it's, it's kind of useless me. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. As one of the leading cloud computing companies, Microsoft uses AMD's data center GPUs as well as Linux on the servers it uses. Sometimes those GPUs need to be installed into running machines or replaced but that requires shutting down the server and then swapping out the GPU to enable flawless. Uh, I've been doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to enable flawless hot plug replacements, which means the GPU can be pulled out of the PCIe slot and replaced while the computer is still running. Microsoft has developed a special driver that enables hot plugging AMD GPUs on Linux servers. Microsoft's AMD GPU PCIe hot plug patch for Linux has been posted on the mailing list in GitHub for reviews and testing. The patch was designed for Linux and is aimed at Microsoft's Azure machines that may benefit from the ability to hot plug GPU-based accelerators when needed. We're from Microsoft Research and working on GPU disaggregation technology, a code review request reads. We've created a patch which will enable PCIe hot plug support for AMD GPUs. We believe the support of the hot plug of GPU devices can open doors for many advanced applications in the data center in the next few years, and we would like to have some reviewers on this PR so we can continue further technical discussions around this feature. While Microsoft did not disclose any details about its GPU disaggregation tech, it looks to be a proprietary capability that allows Azure machines to dynamically add GPU accelerators to servers that do not have the cards physically installed. 
since machines that will house the actual GPU hardware work in tough conditions, as compute and gaming GPUs tend to get hot, overheat and fail, GPU hot plug support will be a particularly useful feature for them. Hot plugging and graphics board or accelerator isn't entirely new, but doing it via the PCIe interface is. AMD had previously developed a driver that enables hot plugging a graphics card to a Thunderbolt 3 port using an eGFX box years ago. However, it looks like AMD doesn't support this functionality for its data center GPUs yet. This is apparently when Microsoft engineers came into play to assist its partner and get a benefit for the company's Azure division. Just looking on um, <clears throat> uh, on Stack Overflow, yep. um, and there's a post here from 13, 13 years ago. Telling you how to disable hardware so you can hot swap it. Oh, all right. It's not you. <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I'm like, no, that's a thing that's been around for a long time. Yeah. They've yeah. probably streamlined the process and made it like a, a much simpler thing to do. Yeah. But Linux, that's one of the features of Linux is you can specifically target a piece of hardware and disable it uh, and do whatever you want to do and then re enable it again. That's, that's, I mean, that's how Linux works. That's why you don't need to restart it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm guessing they've just figured out a way to to um, do, make it easy. I mean, this is, like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. This was 12 years ago. It's, it's a fair chunk of code that you've got to, yep. you got to yep. turn off the prefetches and turn off this and that and the other stuff. Um, it's a fair chunk of code to do, but it's certainly. Maybe they've automated it now. So I'm thinking that they may have taken a similar process. And all. But having said that, I mean, Google's been doing it for years. I remember um, there's a, what's the book called? Is it Googleplex? Uh, trying to think if it's, is that what they're called? Googleplex, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Googleplex by James Rayner. I think it is. Mm, I'm not sure. But yeah, it, in that they were talking about um, the so when the, when Google started to expand, obviously it needed servers, so they would scour, you know, what we would call Gumtree or whatever. They'd scour Craigslist, Craigslist, yeah, Craigslist. They'd scour marketplaces. They'd scour garage sales, find old systems, old hardware, spare parts, whatever they could get. And then every time, and then they they put Linux onto all of their systems um, for several reasons. But the main one was, like, obviously they'd chew through a lot of hard drives or they'd need to upgrade them. <clears throat> um, so they could specifically disable one hard drive without bringing down the entire server. So they could swap hard drives if one failed or if they had to upgrade it or same mem they could disable one memory chip and change the memory chip out. So... Google done that since their inception, mm -hmm. so it's it's not new technology. It's just obviously new to Microsoft, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't surprise me. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things are new to Microsoft, you know, like drivers that work and not forcing upgrades on people. Yep. Oh wait, security no, no, would be new to them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Windows Eleven, that's new. Yeah. That's secure, right? That's, that's the one that they said. Windows 10 would never have another version of Windows come out. They would just perpetually update Windows 10 with new stuff. You know what it is? It's technically Windows 10.1, but nobody can bother saying that, so let's call it 11. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Speaking of Microsoft, um, well, okay, not really, but Microsoft Teams and Zoom have a brilliant new competitor. So there's a um, <clears throat> obviously with everything that's happening with remote work and and even podcasting and, and internet in general these days, most people are using. Let's face it, the vast majority of people are using Zoom. There is Microsoft Teams. Apparently, Skype's still a thing. There's Google Hangouts. There's there's a few things, but the vast majority of people are using Zoom. But at the end of the day, they all do the same job. They're a room where you can have a moderator, an admin if you want, who can control who speaks and who doesn't. But basically, it's one room. It's one audio source. You know, if everybody's talking in the room, everybody talks over the top of everybody. That's just how it works. There's no no segregation there. Um, but there's this new company... Well, not necessarily a new company. The company is called Shindig. They just released a new program called Watercolor. And what it does, it's similar to Zoom to look at. You've got multiple people. You've got all the different squares and stuff like that. And once you finish your meeting, if you want to go and say hang out with your, say your team leader wants to get their group together for a separate meeting, then he can just click and drag on all the different people he wants and they all get to have a meeting. So even though you can still see everybody who's present in the, the overall company structure, you're only having an audio meeting with these six or eight people. Um, then you get, other people can join, other people can leave. Um, so, yeah, so it, it splits up the audio channels to as many channels as required to have separate separate meetings effectively. Yep. It's, like, um, it, it's like being in an office and having, you know, a group of people hanging around the water cooler, which is the whole point of it. You've still got the office functioning in the background, but you can't hear them. And you, you're, you, you know, you're four or five guys are having a chat. Yeah. It's the same principle. It, it's not a bad idea, actually. I can see uses for it, um, like remote distance education, for example, where it, it's mostly done virtually, or at least you know a lot of it's done at, at home. Then they catch up a couple of times a week and do it. But I can see where it'd be great. We split off into groups of four or whatever, and. You know, they can all have their own little reading groups and their own little, you know, play groups. And like, so the teacher can still keep an eye on everybody because you can see uh, everything that's happening. And they've got, a, they can just click on each group and they get, they join it, they hear what's going on. So I can certainly see um, where this might be really beneficial, actually. Huh. Um, I'm curious to know how much of bandwidth it. <laughs> Because you've got to think for them to be able to split the audio means that every single audio track they get in, they're splitting. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain. Um, they're basically mixing every audio track they, track they get in and they're mixing it to with other people. So there must be a lot of bandwidth going on there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to, to, to handle that that group of people's audio and splitting it from somebody else's audio yeah it's it's pretty cool um yeah. it's a pretty cool idea be interesting to see it, it's only not long been out apparently um but it's got thirty thousand users or something already oh, okay um it what doesn't have well they i don't know uh, it doesn't do a lot of it doesn't do some of the stuff that Zoom does. Like it doesn't do the virtual backgrounds. It doesn't do the screen sharing at this stage. 
I think it does screen sharing, but it's only um, like one person in the group can do it or something, like a, the team leader. Yep. Um, there's They've got a lot more stuff they're going to implement with it um, to uh, do some more stuff like that. But uh, the one thing I do like as well, once you split up into your group, you can continue to look at it like the 20 people are there. If you're split up into your group of four, you can continue to watch the whole thing if you want and see what's going on or you can just break away and just have your group of four as as a int- more intimate session so ah. yeah it's it's pretty cool we'll see see keep an eye on it see if they have all the the issues that zoom had when it first started with all the people hacking in the sessions and <laughs> all that sort of stuff so we'll see how, how it happens there the, the company um doesn't really seem to have done anything prior to this either so who knows they might have got it right they might have learned from everybody else's mistakes mistakes, (laughs) or they might make exactly the same mistakes i guess we'll find out soon enough return to monkey island is a sequel to the Mm. legendary points and click series coming in 2022 from original writer director ron gilbert Oh, nice. Designed as a follow-up to the first two games, The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, the new game is being published by Devolver Digital in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. It also brings back original co-writer David Grossman and LucasArts composers Michael Land, Michael McConnell and Clint Barjakian. Fellow co-creator Tim Schafer, who runs Microsoft's Double Fine, does not return. Dominic Armato, who voiced series protagonist Guybrush Threepwood every monkey, in every Monkey Island game to date, will return to reprise his role as the iconic character. I was actually reading online where Guybrush got his name from. When they were designing the character, they made a paintbrush, which was just a picture of this guy, and he called it Guy.Paintbrush which was required for the platform he was on. And then he was just like, guy, guy brush. Yeah, that'll do. That's a good name. Some guy and it's a brush for painting on the screen. <laughs> and then he had, I think he had um, some people vote on what they wanted for a surname or something. And they came up with three wood. On Twitter, Gilbert said his terrible toy box def- development studio has been working on the game for two years in complete secrecy. We do not have any more information on the game other than what's included in the short teaser trailer online, but we do have a 2013 blog post from Gilbert in which he laid out his ideas for a new game in the series. At that time he said he'd want it to be a retro game that harkened back to Monkey Island 1 and 2 and would specifically ignore the events of every game in the series after the second. And given this game follows LeTruck's revenge, it seems he may have gotten his wish. His other ideas at the time included making it a hardcore adventure game with no tutorials, hint systems, pansy-assed puzzles, or catering to the mass market or modernising. On top of that, he wanted retro art but powered by modern hardware to help the team do what LucasArts couldn't in the 90s. A full-on inventory, a physical release, dialogue puzzles, and no verbs used for commands. He said he'd also like to rebuild the original scum engine among other points. Return to Monkey Island follows a number of projects that seem to be returning to classic franchises from Disney's Lucasfilm Games brand, including Indiana Jones, multiple new Star Wars projects, and more. It's not the first time Monkey Island has reared its skeletal head after it got an extended Easter egg within the Sea of Thieves Pirate of the Caribbean update. 
Mm. Well, yeah, was, and remember you were saying earlier about uh, mist. Yeah, um, mist popping into a VR mini golf. Mini golf thing, yeah. It looks really cool too. I was watching the thing for it. I love mist. It was a great game. So this this will be a lot of fun, I think. That's why I knew you would like that one. <laughs> Did you get your VR going yet? Um, no, I've still got to order a sensor for it. I just haven't had time. It's on my to-do list. Which is quite long at this stage. It's quite long. Um, a story about Twitter, but before I do that, who fell for the any uh, April Fool's pranks this year? Anybody, anybody get caught out by any of them? Did you see that some um, to robot drones with lights on them Rick rolled yeah. a town <laughs> with a QR code. code? That was awesome. That was really cool. I don't think that was an April Fool's. I think that was just awesome. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, Twitter tweeted that they're working on an edit, bu- edit button, yep. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't have a problem with. I actually think it's a good idea. But you edit a post for like an hour after you put it up. And that way, if you do make a spelling mistake or make something, you know, it's easy to get something wrong if you're typing really quick. So you've got like an hour to fix it. I think Plus auto-correct as well. well yeah, <laughs> a bad thing either. Auto-incorrect. Um, one of my favorites this year was the Synology Floppy Station. Yeah, I saw that. That right. was awesome. <laughs> With more than 5.75 meg of total storage capacity and transfer speeds of almost 115 kilobits a second, the FPS 422 is ready for even the most demanding workflows. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was um, so funny. I'm like, I actually want one of those. Veggie Mike Tim Tams was another one. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't wouldn't have as being an issue at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nothing will top the shrinter in my my book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was um, HyperX Touch. Grass keyboard for anybody who's ever been told to go touch some grass. <laughs> they got, uh, was it, wasn't it? Um, oh, there was an Australian company that, um, that said all of their, was it Australian? Oh, it might have been Razor or something, said all of their keyboards and joysticks and stuff were going to have a fuzzy cover. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the HyperX. Uh, it's got like, um, uh, it looks blue in the shot because of the green screen behind it, but it's got uh, AstroTurf basically on the keys. <laughs> that was funny. Um, for those who are watching, I'll show you the floppy station that's up here. It was, um, yeah, there we go. The Synology floppy station. <laughs> Speed, power, efficiency. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was there was quite a lot, and there was some really good one. Um, they were kind of. Um, it was kind of good this year because they made them a little bit more obvious. Yep. They didn't try to, to hide some of them. So, <laughs> Dion's Pizza, raw carrot topping. <laughs> <laughs> there was another one saying, actually, our school pulled one on its parents too, our Canadian Space Agency, just like NASA, but not in Canada and smaller. <laughs> I saw um, not, not a... Um... April Fool's thing, but today um, Pizza Hut said they're going to put uh, schnitzel on pizzas. I don't have a problem with that. Nope. 7-Eleven had the tiny gulp. <laughs> Instead of the big gulp. <laughs> um, actually, did you see um, the introducing Form 2D? They've introduced a 2D printer. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's, it's like a laser printer. Um, 
the uh, super cheap auto yep. service stations. <laughs> that was theirs. They, they, the super cheap auto is getting a service station game. Nice. Um, Will they have super cheap fuel? Because we need it. Yeah, apparently it was going to be it. Uh, they're probably taking it down now. I don't think it'd be. Uh, is there any photos? Can I find quickly? They're saying. Uh, I think if I remember the ad correctly, it was fuel was going to be nineteen cents for the first three months, and then it'll go up to a fixed price of forty nine cents a liter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't find it, but yeah, no, there was some good ones this year. They, uh, yeah, our school actually pranked the parents at like. I don't know why our headmaster was up at like four o'clock in the morning, but she was. She wanted to get in early, apparently. Um, she's sent an email saying, you know, um, thanks for. Actually, I'll see if I can find it quickly. She was like, thanks for the. Uh, due to the answers we got from the questionnaire that was sent out last week, that was the first red flag. So, like, hang on a minute, we didn't we didn't get no stinking questionnaire. Um, here we go. Dear parents, carers, and staff, thank you to everybody who completed the survey last week. After examining the responses, it is clear that families would appreciate additional homework over the holidays. Our teachers have spent a lot of time planning what this week will look like to make sure everybody has the opportunity to do the work. This morning, all families will be receiving a pack of 104 tasks to complete over the holiday period. <laughs> the first task will be based on exploring calendars, months, and days of the week. The second set of tasks will be looking at rhyming words with different spellings such as drool, cruel, and mule. The different activities should take about half an hour each and are all aimed for grades 0, 1 to 0, 4. There was the second giveaway. We all know that the preps may find some of these tasks very easy and understand that they may be challenging for the, six, for the students in year 5 and 6. <laughs> I trust that you are looking forward to receiving your additional work packs and you know we'll give... And you know, additional work packs and know you will give them the time it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she sent another one, like after lunch, obviously, once it's all over. Yep. She sent another one saying, um, I want to thank, I want to thank those of you whose responses for the April Fool this morning. It's been a very you know, difficult start of the year, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I was half asleep when I was reading. I'm like, uh, I work. What? I work. I school. What's going on? Why? <laughs> it wasn't until later I figured out what, was, what it was. <laughs> uh, dear. Um, one thing that's not an April Fool, although I think it actually did happen on the first, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> on Tuesday, the company revealed it's been working on a long requested edit button and would begin testing with Twitter Blue Labs. So this is part of the thing. But then, um, uh, why is this article start? Oh, because it's done that thing where it skips. So basically, Elon Musk purchased 9.2% of the shares in Twitter this week yeah. um, with his agreed, <laughs> as part of his um, process of buying 9.2% of the shares, <clears throat> The obviously the... Um, the what do they call it? the department for no, any monopoly department whatever it is yep. said nah, we're keeping our eye on you and he goes it's okay he said i i promise you i want to buy more than 14.9 percent of the company <laughs> 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 he's like i'm gonna buy some of it i'm not gonna buy all of it <laughs> um but basically he bought it his, his 
his main reason to buy it um, is that he wants Twitter to become open and, and unbiased and stop censoring content. It's you know he's like you guys are not news outlets. You're you're just a you're just an information delivery system, and it's not your job to censor what goes on there. Mm-hmm. So he's taken that over. Um, according to um, Twitter CEO, uh, through conversations with Elton in recent weeks, it's become clear with Elton Elon. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it's become clear to us that it would bring great value to our board. He's both a passionate believer in the an intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make it stronger in the long term. Um, <clears throat> in recent days, founder Jack Dorsey admitted to his regrets over involvement in creating a centralized internet. The days of Usenet, IRC, the web, even small PGPs were amazing. Oh, PGP, wow. A thing. <laughs> <laughs> he said in a tweet. Centralizing discovery and identity into corporations really damaged the internet. I realize I'm partially to blame and regret it. Um, Dawson Tuesday praised the move of Musk onto the company board. I'm really happy Elon is joining the Twitter board. He cares deeply about our world and Twitter's role in it. Um, so, yeah, so basically it's, um, it's the shares. I was reading somewhere, the shares went up. Uh, 50% in 30 minutes with oh, wow. notifications that he bought it. Yep. British shares went up 50%. <laughs> so if nothing else, he's made them some money. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But um, oh, look, I, I think, you know, um, it's not, I mean, it can't make it any worse, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, Wasn't um, it him who put a um, Elon put a tweet out saying, "Would you like me to get them to make a edit button happen in Twitter?" And then he had two options, and it was Y S E and O N. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he had because he was also saying, um, "Do you think that Twitter's going too far with censorship?" Yes or no? And it was like ninety five percent yes. Yeah. And then he put another one out saying, should I start, what do you say? Should I try and buy Twitter or should I start my own? And it was like 99% said, start your own. <laughs> so, but apparently he decided to buy it Twitter instead. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you got the money, why not? Well, I mean, it's not like he has to expend anything on his house. No. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but he lives in a, in a time. He owns, okay, so he lives in a tiny house. Like, uh, they call it a tiny house. It's one of the Tesla do small houses. They, they, they're almost like caravans, effectively. Like, okay, they're a bit bigger than that, but they're not, not big in the scheme of things. And he lives on that. Him and his family mostly live in that um, on the base of um, SpaceX because that's where he spends most of his time. Now, he does have a not a mansion but a large property um in california i think i can't remember exactly where it is Uh i want to say it's in california but i could be wrong um where he mostly hosts events so it's more like a it's more like a gala place like and he said that um currently with the way things are the reason that he still has that um is because it's getting used more 
for events than it would be if it was just sitting there empty. So he's like, he's like, well, you know, I could sell it and it doesn't worry me if I do or don't. It's like, I might as well use it. I've got it. But yeah, he himself, he doesn't, he doesn't really spend any money on himself. Like he, they live relatively um, frugally for given how much money he's got and how much money he's worth. And it's one of those situations where he actually has a lot of money as well as being worth a lot of money. Quite often people who are rich, they have a lot of assets and things like that, but they don't actually have a lot of free cash. Um, he does have a lot of free cash as well as a lot of assets because he just, he sold, you know, and he got, he got like everybody else. He got caught up in his own hype and, you know, bought a mansion and bought, you know, this and that and the other and had 14 staff and had 27 dogs and the whole thing. And then he just basically said, well, I don't really need, I'm never home. You know, this house is sitting there with not doing anything. So he basically sold that, bought, you know, lived in one of his small homes and that he's got plenty of free cash to, to do nothing with because he doesn't go anywhere anyway because at the end of the day, he's, he's not a people person. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us, Wheel or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com, 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye.